What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. I'm Jonathan Capehart and welcome to Capehart. Five Days at Memorial is the latest in the canon of spectacular movies and series that document the many horrors that flowed from the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in 2005. The eight-part Apple TV Plus series chronicles the awful events that led to the deaths of 45 patients at Memorial Hospital in New Orleans. It's a harrowing, true story told with edge-of-your-seat urgency and wonderfully acted by an incredible roster of actors that includes Cherry Jones as Susan Mulderick and Vera Farmiga as Dr. Anna Poe. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on November 30th, Jones and Farmiga talk about the complexities of the real-life people they portrayed and the decisions they made under unimaginable circumstances. Say what you will about the decisions that were made. My job is to make you feel her soggy sneakers, make you feel, even if you disagree with, with, with ultimately what the choices that she made under extreme duress. Just comes down to what is, what people consider humane. It just comes Mm -hmm. down to that. And every single human being has a different uh, uh, feeling of what that what that means. Okay, so look, you know, when we do these when we do these interviews, we either get the copy of the book or we get a link to the thing and you might look at it for a little bit and then you move into preparing. I started I figured I'd watch the first episode. I watched six in a row until I was too tired last night and then finished the last two 20 minutes ago. It is an incredible story and incredibly done. Vera, I want to start with you. Um, as we saw in, in the, the trailer, and as I said in the intro, 45 patients died at Memorial Hospital. Real quickly, explain what, explain what happened that led to this tragedy. Uh... Okay, well, um, <laughs> in, in a nutshell, um, uh, what led to this tragedy, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a series of failures uh, uh, in, on every level of, of government and, um, and bureaucratic. Uh, position, I think you could take this back down to the way the levees were built, right? Mm-hmm. To just put a tail on one person and say, this is all your fault. There's so many things that went wrong. Um, uh, you would have to look at racial and economic disparity in the state of New Orleans. You would have to look at uh, infrastructure disrepair. You would have to look at um, so many things um, that sort of failed. There was so many domino, there was a domino effect of failure that brought us right up until this moment where 2000 people in the hospital and not only just patients, but family members who were sheltering there, it was a beacon of refuge for the people of New Orleans. 
um, where where help just did not come, not mm -hmm. in time. And and Cherry, I mean, preparation is central uh, central theme in this series. And series, and as um, Vera was explaining, your character Susan Muldrick, um, she's frequently reminded reminded in that first episode that she is quote unquote the incident commander. Um, but how does she deal with the hospital's lack of preparation for the storm? Well, and I want to say that her name is Susan Mulderick. You pronounced it okay. the same way John Ripley pronounced it until uh, we all corrected him. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you know, Susan was uh, on the um, emergency uh, committee panel, and the one thing that they did not plan for was the hospital flooding while the patients were still in the hospital. I think they always thought they would be prepared to get people out before uh, a, a major flooding event. Um, and so she was as surprised as anyone that, that that was the one thing that wasn't in there. And I've always wondered if it was because it seemed too, um, what it was too great a problem to try to solve. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I, I know my heart goes out to all of those people, but especially those who, who were uh, every second of that disaster in charge of saving every life they could and not having the tools they needed to do it. Yeah. And in fact, we, we, we see, and I can't remember if it was the end of the first or the end of the second episode, they survived the actual hurricane. Um, Beautiful. They survived, they survived Katrina. It was when the levee broke and the waters start flooding, flooding the city is when all hell broke loose. Uh, Vera, it is interesting that you say you can't pin it on any one person or any one thing. Your character, Dr. Ann Poe, is the one, is the, the focal point. Um, um, when we first meet her at the hospital, she says to fellow um, staffers that she, quote, rather be here than not. Talk about her mindset from day one to day five. Sure. Um, this is this is a very capable oncologist uh, trained um, for these type of desperate situation. Um, I I looked at my my role through a very specific lens of courage and hope. Dr. Poe did step up. She made a huge difference in so many ways. Um, uh, she's she exhibited incredible leadership uh, from from the from right out of the gates. She she was excused, uh, said to made to go home, but um, that's just not who she is. Um, you know, she was incredibly and fanatically committed to getting patients out. She did indeed save hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people and, and help bring them to safety. Uh, but this was a, a war zone type of circumstance. Um, you know, that just ground these doctors and nurses to a pulp to such unimaginable exhaustion. The conditions were so putrid, so warped, um, you know, that this just slowly by slowly started you know, wearing away um, at their stamina. Uh, but I mean, she is she's she's a surgeon at the top of her game. Um, she's she's been trained for moments like this, but um, you know, it was, you know, it, it was just 
extreme duress. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to jump in here because you said it was wearing at their stamina, the stamina of the staff. Would, yeah. would you say that it was also wearing at their judgment? I think so. I think, you know, look, she is a, an esteemed surgeon. She is, she, by all accounts, she's a truly amazing doctor, uh, beloved by her patient. I, I wanted to exhibit that, but I think what, what, what I had to do, um, You know, you have to consider all of these all of these things that uh, that chipped away at 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 the strength, at the stamina. Um, and when you consider, and this was you know, to, to putting the audience in Anna's shoes and setting that temperature, this was one hundred five degree and counting temperatures. This a the dementia of lack of sleep. Um, you know, five days of not, I mean, we, we all know what it's like when we've, <laughs> we've missed several hours of sleep. I mean, but to, to go through that debilitating heat, the, the, you can't, you cannot work. The electricity is gone. So that means ventilators aren't working. That means that mean th there's a whole series of things that she has to rise up above. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, keeping tabs on the emotional, the, the stress, the emotional, the mental, the physical stress, the heat, the, 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 the putrid, the quality of the air, very little food, very little water, um, the disappointment of knowing that nobody is coming to rescue you, the grave disappointment, the, um, you know, the, the, but rising above that, Right. And still sort of figuring out how how to push forward and how to get everyone out. Um, you know, I, I was I was smiling a, a moment ago as, as you paused because the word that came to mind was conflicted. As a viewer, I'm watching Dr. Poe and Dr. Poe in the first first few episodes, I'm like, yeah, oh wow, she's great. She's fantastic. She's but then as the as the episodes go along, I'm sort of like, um, yeah. Dr. Poe. Uh, I'm not ooh. You, got, you know, say what you will about the decisions that were made. My job is to make you feel her soggy sneakers. Make you feel mm. her, even if you disagree with right. with with ultimately what the choices that she made under extreme duress. I mean, I think, I, I firmly believe it wasn't just plain old evil that drove her to make the choices that she made. I mean, I had to find the nuance of that exhaustion, of the disgust, of the sadness, of, of the disappointment, of rising above that with dedication, rising above that with stamina, knowing that, you know, I, I no judgment was always my motto, um, but mm -hmm. I think that the show excels. It offers so many multiple perspectives on on what went down from different viewpoints and different personalities. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Cherry. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I remember the moment because I followed every second of Katrina. And um, because you felt like if you couldn't be there to help or do anything, that it was at least our duty to witness, you know, to bear witness to what these people 
were having to, to go through. And I remember the first, um, the first article I saw about the bodies that had been found and that already there were aspersions being cast against doctors and nurses. I, my first response, just having watched night after night the horror of, of that disaster, was, oh my God, and now these doctors and nurses are going to have to go through this. Because, you know, the I, you know, we're not really supposed to talk about <laughs> our own personal feelings about it. But, you know, it just comes down to what is, what people consider humane. What is mm. humane? It just comes mm -hmm. down to that. And every single human being has a different, uh, uh, a feeling of what that what that means and uh and it, go, go ahead, ahead. Finish, no finish your finish your thought cherry well just that that was really big stuff it, <laughs> that's, that's if that's to me that's what this whole thing uh in terms of our stories uh the people we are tasked with with portraying it, that's what it came down at the end of the day and what they all had to walk away with feeling uh, having been put in this hideous position of, of making decisions, um, they did, I do believe, what they thought was humane. And I think that's a, that's a great word because it sort of zeroes in on where my head is at right now in thinking about what I just witnessed. Um, mm -hmm. And really feeling, I mean, conflicted, not just about Dr. Poe, but about what what would I have done? I mean, I could be all high and mighty and righteous, you know, self-righteous mm -hmm. sitting in my office in Washington <laughs> watching, you know, these decisions are being made. But in real time, who's to say that that same mindset would be at play if I were in Dr. Poe's uh, soggy sneakers? You know, Cherry, you've said um, that um, this show is about issues, quote, smacking us in the face right now from healthcare to climate change to racial injustice. What do you want viewers to take away from the series about how those issues come together or came together in New Orleans? Well, I'll tell you, when I got the call about this, it was the fall of 2020. And we had all been banging our pots and cheering our healthcare workers through that spring and into that summer. But by autumn, we started to realize that our healthcare workers were now uh, uh, almost disposable commodities uh, because there was the lack of respect. And I guess what I, what I think most everyone in the world feels now is that the grown-ups have left the room and we are left with decisions that require grit and commitment and uh, resources that so so few of our leaders want to give, and it's not just our leaders, because our leaders are put there by us. And uh, until the people of the world get together on these different issues, Katrina, New Orleans, everything will continue, climate disasters, human-made disasters, all of that's gonna keep happening until you know, I keep looking to this next generation that we've left with all of these catastrophes in the making and just hoping and praying that those young people will first someday forgive us and mm -hmm. 
we'll be able to start making the hard decisions that for generations we have not been able to make. Vera, what do you what do you think? Yes, sir. I, I think that, you know, I, I think this story to me and what touches me about this story is that it is a parable of, of, of love and compassion and kindness. It, you know, it shines a spotlight on these exceptional human beings, these um, in society, our, our, our health care workers, they're just the best breed of homo sapien. They operate with capital empathy, dedication and bravery. And, and, and um, I, I, I do think that, it, look, it's not an easy tale to receive this story. It's, it's tough watching calamity movies, especially when we can turn on the TV. And, you know, we can, every other day, there's a fire earthquake. There's, there's, um, you know, uh, something going on. It's just, but, but any story that draws attention uh, and investigates climate crisis and, and looks into this tired, agitated, depleted Lady Earth our children are inheriting. Um, you know, it, it's, it's I, I, I just hope that people have a compassion for what, what these poor people went through, their families, the people who lost everything, the people who continue to lose everything. And and that um, it, it is ultimately a story that exhibits human perseverance, perseverance and compassion, and kindness. And it, it it look you know it takes a good look at the notion of how do we come together next time disaster unfolds? How do we ensure more compassion? How do we ensure more empathy and preparedness? Um, you know, on a daily basis, even <laughs> like how, mm -hmm. how are we individually mm -hmm. doing that <clears throat> on a daily basis? You know, how are we spreading yeah. light and love in dark moments? Let's widen the aperture a bit because you you uh, you're more than than this series. Um, and, and Cherry, I mean, my favorite of all the roles you've done, and don't judge me for this. My favorite um, is you as Linus's mom in Ocean's Twelve when you <laughs> when you swoop in and and save them. Um, but you know, whether it's Twenty Four, The Handmaid's Tale, or Succession. Are you drawn to art that has some kind of social and, and political underpinning? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just find it the most interesting of, of stories. I, I've always sort of joked that I don't really play many married ladies because, uh, you know, historically, if you're playing a married lady, it's all about the marriage or your husband. And so I've ended up playing a lot of women who've never been married. And uh, I find it... Um, the, I do like stories with uh, social worth and that, you know, I think every actor feels this way. We like to do things that make people feel less alone, uh, whether it's comedy or tragedy. And uh, so I've, I've had uh, a lot of fun with all the, the women I've got to climb into. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I want to stick with you. I want to stick with you for a moment here, Chair, because you grew up in a small town in Tennessee and came out to your parents in your 20s, um, that the number of young people who identify as LGBTQ is higher than ever before. You know, two out of three people on this screen are, are out, out <laughs> LGBT folks, which is spectacular. But I would love to get your thoughts as, as an elder, because I'm, you know, apparently now an elder too, <laughs> Where do you see, how do you view this moment that we're in? I mean, we're just off the, the that horrible 
mass shooting at Club Q, not to mention all of the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and legislation that's propped up all around the country? Oh, Jonathan, <laughs> it's, it's, we uh, well, time, in the, right? you, no, we don't. But I, I will say that I remember the first time I heard the word gay marriage was on the floor of the Senate and it came out of the mouth of Bob Dole, believe it or not. That was the first <laughs> time I ever heard that expression. And I, and of course it was in a disparaging, disparaging um, uh, tone, but I, I, I remember thinking we should just go for civil unions. That's the most we can ever hope for. We'll get it more quickly. And I was so proud of the community that that they held, we held out for, for gay marriage. And thanks to uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Kennedy, actually, Kennedy. We, we have we have that. Um, and that the fact that the, the Senate and the House was able to uh, uh, codify. I mean, it does. It, you can still states can. Jonathan Capehart, please explain this to me. The states can still, uh, right? I, I, every Friday right. night, the the states can still uh, say that it's uh, there can't be gay marriage, but they have right. to acknowledge. Yeah, because I think people right. think that yesterday they made it legal for everyone across the country to get married in any state, but that's not at all what it was. Right. That's yeah. my column. That's my column today. Today. I'll be reading it as soon as we get off. <laughs> yeah, the headline is, gee, thanks for this tiny step to protect my same-sex marriage. Um, it's also an interracial marriage, so I'm doubly protected. Oh, you uh, are, they, they did include that, too. How great yes. is that? Yeah. Yes, because Justice Thomas left that part out in his concurring oh, opinion. Vera, I know you from your role in the great movie, The Departed. The moment you came on screen, I was like, wait, how do I know her? How do I know her? How do... Oh, it's the doctor. You're always playing a doctor when I watch you. Um, but, you're more known... <laughs> but you're more known for horror roles, which is why, <laughs> which is why I haven't seen you in all of your roles. I mean, you were Norma Bates at Bates Motel. You were Lorraine Warren in The Conjuring. These are films that I'm too much of a squish to to watch them. I'm too scared. And then there's there's a Conjuring Four, that movie that's in the works. What attracts you to those characters? Oh, you know, look, you know, for Conjuring series, my my my, it, it, this is I play Lorraine Warren, and she is in the business of help. I actually I was drawn to this woman's. Um, capacity again for for kindness, and you know this is a woman who's in the business of help. She goes into she goes into diabolical circumstances, and she rids people of negative mysticism. I found that I find that mind blowing. I mean, there are people who believe <laughs> they are ordained to do that very thing. It's um. I'm still on. I'm still on with you. Am I? Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yep. I see you. You're here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those. I I love I love that character. I love that show. I love doing it with Patrick Wilson. This was a real life paranormal and investigative couple. So, um, and which I had a chance to befriend and meet uh, before she passed uh, during during the pandemic. But uh, mm. yeah, no, I'm grateful for that that show in my so, life. I love it. So another question for you, Vera, because one thing I think maybe folks don't know this, you are of Ukrainian descent. 
and um, um, and you know you're you are also a singer. And I'm wondering what message would you would you like to convey through your musical performances to the people of Ukraine? I uh, it, it, well, to the people of Ukraine, I I my heart is with them, and I pray for them on a daily basis. And I, I think it's for everybody else. It's just. For, for, for others to know that the Russian intention in Ukraine has been genocidal from the beginning. You know, the, the notion that Ukraine does not exist, uh, that, that the state is artificial and its national consciousness is a confusion is just a lie. Uh, Putinist rhetoric is genocidal. Um, to deprive Ukrainians of light and heat and, and, and water during, during this winter, um, destroying civilian infrastructure, the rape, the pillage, the, the, the it's, it's, it's a violation of genocide convention. It is genocide. What is happening? And, and I'm, and my family, I, and I have a very personal connection because I have mm -hmm. family there. You still have family there? Yes, I do. Have you, have you heard from them? Are they, um, we are relatively back. okay? Yeah. They're not okay. They're distraught and they're suffering and they are fighting to the death. They will not give up their identity. Um, they, they, Ukrainians are Ukrainians. They are not Russians. They don't want to be Russians. Um, and, um, and so, you know, my, my family is okay. They're dispersed. Uh, they're, they're dispersed, but they stayed in Ukraine and, um, and they're fighting for her. <laughs> Well, we will we will keep thinking of them as we do the people of Ukraine, the same as you every day since Russia invaded. Hey, Cherry, you won an Emmy for your role as Nan Pierce in Succession, Succession, whom you say described as a quote wannabe Catherine Graham or K Graham <laughs> or Mrs. Graham, as we call her here, still at the Washington Post. What can we expect from Nan Pierce in the next season of Succession? Well, as you can imagine, I can't say a thing. <laughs> <laughs> not even, not even a little morsel. Well, you know, I guess I can say what is known about Succession: no one is completely clean. And and uh, and and I will tell you that Frank Rich, when I said to him, uh, who is a producer, the the great Frank Rich from yes. that other paper, other that, paper, uh, that other gray lady. <laughs> um, as uh, when I said to him, when I read the script, I said, is she sort of a, a wannabe Catherine Graham? And he said, she's a bus and truck, Catherine Graham. And if you know anything <laughs> about the theater, that is not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Barry, we've got, I mean, I could talk to you, both of you for, you know, for hours, but we only have like two minutes left. So, Vera, um, uh, before we go, I mean, between Apple TV, Netflix, Disney Plus, and all of the streaming platforms, I'm wondering, has streaming opened up more multidimensional roles for, for women in Hollywood today, do you think? Streaming specifically? I think women have opened up <laughs> more opportunities for women. You know, I, I think it's just, you know, I think we've just claimed that. We've claimed it for ourselves. You know, right now, I... I, I I'm I'm developing, uh, you know, I'm not seeing, no matter what I've done, no matter what the resume holds, I'm not seeing the kind of roles that I want to play. So I'm developing them for myself. You know, we just got to take the reins mm. on this stuff. 
And when, you know, and when there, when there's more parity, um, you know, in, 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 you know, in the writing circles in the producing circles and distribution circles, then, you know, then, then we'll see more stories that we can recognize ourselves in. Terry, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you think? Because you, you, you span the small screen, the big screen, but also the stage. Well, it's interesting because for me, and, and also that I am not only a woman, I'm now an older woman. And, uh, it, there's, there's been so much more work uh, with the, the streaming services uh, for, as an older uh, woman and a character actress, I've found a lot more work there than, than on the stage. And, um, and I agree with, with Vera, it's, you know, the, it, the streaming could all be men, you know, but we've, we finally moved to a point where, where we are in, in the conversation as well. And women are producing great things and, and men are producing I mean, our brilliant writers, Carlton Cuse and John Ridley, who took the brilliant book by Sherry Fink, The Five Days at Memorial, and uh, have patterned these these two um, dramatized versions of two great, great human beings in my book. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot more force out there is what I'm trying to say, and I'm mm-hmm. so grateful for um, I can't let you go, Vera, without asking you a really superficial question. The moment you came on screen, I zeroed in on those stairs, and I thought, "Is she coming from the Brady Bunch house?" Those <laughs> stairs. Oh, are Jonathan, so... I've slipped down during the pandemic. During during uh, when it was remote learning for the kids, my computer, her computer, the dog, cup of coffee. I slid. I slid from halfway down. <laughs> And I jammed my toe between the brick wall and that sheetrock sticking out and broke all four of my left toes. Oh, and then oh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't wear heels um, in, in um, yeah, on the Disney, on, um, that's the one that, that come, come on. Hunger Games? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Um, I... Uh-huh. Quick, bring up IMDb. The fans know. The fans know. Someone surely <laughs> must be texting somebody, you. Somebody now. knows. Oh, the arrow. I don't even know what you're talking about Tarzan, at this point. Robin Hood? <laughs> Hawkeye. Hawkeye! <laughs> <laughs> Just like one E short of my husband's last name. Anyway, I couldn't wear heels in Hawkeye because of those very steps that you're inquiring about. Okay. (laughs) This this has been just superb. Vera Farmiga, Cherry Jones, stars of the Apple TV Plus series, Five Days at Memorial. Thank you so much for coming to Capehart on Washington Post Live. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's produced by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. 
In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat. Available now.